Welcome to Now Hear This Entertainment, a podcast for fans of the guests who appear on this show, as well as fans of music in general, and a podcast for musicians, singers, songwriters, artists, entertainers who want to learn more to help them grow in what they're doing. I'm your host, Bruce Wozniak from Now Hear This Incorporated. Check out nhte.net. Be sure to sign up for the email newsletter there, which is quick and easy. All that's required is an email address. Be sure you are subscribing to this podcast and telling your friends to do so as well. We are thrilled to be on iTunes, Google Play Music, Stitcher Radio, SoundCloud, and TuneIn Radio. Lots of great guests on Now Hear This Entertainment, or as I've taken to calling it, NHTE. Joining me on location here in Los Angeles, my guest is a producer, lecturer, author, mentor, and songwriter who, as the saying goes, needs no introduction. However, since it's standard operating procedure here in the show, I will tell you that he has worked with some of the biggest names in the business, ranging from Barbara Streisand to Hilary Duff to the Doobie Brothers to Cher, James Brown, the list goes on. He has earned Grammy and Golden Globe nominations, and he has been involved in the writing, conceptualization, and production of albums throughout his career that have sold in excess of 50 million copies. You've been hearing How Do You Stop by Joni Mitchell and Seal, which my guest co-wrote. It's my pleasure to welcome to now hear this entertainment, someone that I am blessed to call a colleague and friend, Charlie Midnight. Bruce, it's great to be here, and it's great to see you in Los Angeles. <laughs> uh, I know we spent some time in, uh, in, um, in uh, uh, Florida together, and it's always great when you come up here to hang out, so it's good to be here. Well, this is going to be great. Uh, I appreciate you making the time. We do always start off by having the guests talk about the song that was playing during the intro. So in this case, share with the listeners some insight on How Do You Stop? Uh, how Do You Stop, uh, as you said, was sung by uh, Joni Mitchell and uh, Seal did a guest vocal with her on that song. And that was on her um, Turbulent Indigo album, which won a Grammy. Um, how that Joni got to sing that song is uh, a matter of serendipity, luck, and blessings from above. Mm. Um, that song was originally written for James Brown. No kidding. And it is on the James Brown Gravity album that uh, that I co-wrote uh, with Dan Hartman. The whole album, the same album that Living in America is on. Okay. And Dan Hartman and I uh, were part of a Cinemax special, uh, James Brown and Friends. And uh, so on that special, James Brown sang the song, How Do You Stop? Mm-hmm. It's completely different than Joni's, version, <laughs> as you can imagine. Right? <laughs> and uh, for some reason, Joni was watching the show and really liked the song. Wow. And liked it because it spoke to, it was a, a song about getting older and, um, and dealing with the things, you know, that you have to deal with when you get older. And... What I heard, what I heard uh, about it was that jo- Jody thought people don't really write lyrics like that, um, and so she was really taken with the song, and she started performing it. Yeah, I was going to say, which is obviously a compliment. Yeah, she started performing it live, and then, which Dan Hartman, my co-writer on the song, uh, we had no idea she was doing it, and then Dan met her by chance in Los Angeles introduced himself and the story that I heard 
was that Johnny then said, oh, you wrote this song, how do you stop? And he goes, yes, she goes, well, I've been performing it. Amazing. And so Dan, who was a huge, as we both were, a huge Joni Mitchell fan, called me up very excited <laughs> and said this. And then she recorded it on her album. Uh, a slightly different version because Joni always does her own um, chords. She, does, uh, she has a special way, uh, way of tuning the guitar. Hmm. And uh, so... The song was basically the same, but it, but you know our melody and our lyrics. But if you put them side by side, James Brown, Joni Mitchell, they sound very very different. Oh, I'm sure. So um, that was quite amazing to me because, as you know, Joni really doesn't uh, uh, record other people's songs. So for me, yeah, other people record her songs. Yeah, other people record her songs, exactly right. And so, of course, you know, sometimes when I do these um, lectures that I do, and then I have the Q&A sessions, you know, uh, of course, the millennials want to know about Hilary Duff, mm. which, as you know, I wrote a lot of songs for Hilary, uh, including So Yesterday, which was very successful. Um, but then everybody wants to know, how'd you get Joni Mitchell? To record a song and i said okay you want to know how to get a cut okay write a song for somebody else have the artist see it on television by chance really like it and then decide to record it and that's how you get a song cut um and after that, and after the writing session go buy a powerball ticket because right, that's about exactly. the odds <laughs> i mean you know but but that happens i think when you you do good work that has to be your first objective Everybody wants to have a hit song, a success of some kind, but first you do good work and you put it out there. And that's happened enough to me for that to be my philosophy. Have the creativity be an end in and of itself, put it out there, and don't whine about how long it's taking you or how tough mm -hmm. the road is uh, that you're traveling because it's tough for everybody. But that was, I have to say, you know, that's uh, for me... Having Joni Mitchell uh, record a song and then Seal doing a duet with her uh, for me was so satisfying, and uh, you know, and I do get a couple of smiles out of that. <laughs> yeah. But I like what you just said as far as let the creativity be. That's what you're striving for. In other words, put it out there, let it stand on its own, and be proud of it. Feel feel that what you put out is the best that you can, and don't. Dis, don't be disappointed that it didn't get cut. It's no, you know because you know because the only thing we can control is that's in our power to control is what we create for that moment. So your satisfaction in that creativity has to be enough to keep you going to the next one. Mm -hmm. And there's no because you know there there are always in I think in every discipline there are always works that somebody thinks is their best work. You know, okay, that wasn't that went that isn't didn't wasn't successful or what people call success. And then something that you say, Oh, I like that, suddenly that's successful, you don't think it's your best work, but it's not for you to judge. You and I think uh and listeners you can um tell me if I end up being wrong, but go back and listen to episode ninety two with Johnny Diaz. He's a very well known Christian artist, and I believe that Johnny said during my interview with him that you know, it's the song that you write that you think is going to be a hit that doesn't, and it's one that you don't expect to go anywhere that ends up taking off, and you say, wow. So the 
point being that you really can't, there's no you, formula, you can't and, predict and which it's going to be. that's not in your control, and for you to obsess on that, when an artist, and I always say to an artist, because I mentor a lot of artists, uh, young artists, which I really like to do, and when they start getting down, which I understand, because it's a very difficult road, and it took me very many years to achieve what whatever success I have, but when they say, why them and not me, uh, I say that's that's the wrong question because that's a question that you can't answer, you know, unless God comes down. <laughs> Anybody less than God can answer that. And 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 hindsight is twenty twenty. Mm -hmm. What somebody get? Oh, this is how they got there. But you don't really know how they got there right. because everybody's unique. You can't compare yourself to somebody else. You simply have to. Um, reach whatever potential you have, work towards that, try to be great in what is great for you, mm -hmm, mm -hmm. in your unique voice. Yeah, and I've said so many times on this podcast that everyone has their own definition of success. I always say that the guests that are on this show are on this show because I strive to present to the audience guests who are having success in the entertainment business. Well, what does success mean? Well, it means something different to me than it does to you, than it does to the guest last week and the guest the week before. Absolutely. And Confucius said, success is waking up in the morning and going to a job that you love. Wow. Okay. Wow. And if you do that, I think Confucius said that. I think many people might have said that. <laughs> but, and, and I think, you know, if you, and, and, I, and the follow-up to that is, if you, if you wake up and go to a job you love, you'll never work a day that's in your right. life. That's right. That's right. Well, you know, we've we've talked already around this a little bit, but you've been in this business a long time and have seen lots and lots of changes, even even the emergence of, of this medium, podcasting. But through it all, analog to digital, vinyl to CD, now streaming, you have stayed relevant. Your, your success and your momentum continues. So how have you done that? Because I absolutely love what I do. Nothing can stop me, not any change can stop me from doing what I love to do. So I don't obsess on the changes. Of course, I loved the days of analog, and I loved, even before automation, which I was just on the edge of when automation started coming in, you know, of putting all your hands on the dials and try to make sure the levels are all good, and <laughs> you put the marks on the faders, you know, to say, okay, your job is, you're coming up when the guitar solo and you're coming up with the bass player and then you put it down which I was not very good at so they made me keep my hands off <laughs> but you know if, you know there are always the good parts and the bad parts to change okay um, if, if I for instance the, the whole digital age where you can for instance what we're doing now mm -hmm. um, or the fact that somebody can have a um, recording system in their bedroom and do good recordings democratizes the idea of recording. So that's good in, in, in the sense where an artist gets to express themselves, okay, and actually put it out there. For me, when I was in bands where we had to save money up in order to do a recording, go out and do a million gigs and paste up posters on lampposts in order to get attention. There was something good about that because you really had to pay your dues. You really had to want it badly and that helped you to hone your craft in front of audiences 
who would tell you whether it was working <laughs> or not working, okay? So that was a positive. That doesn't exist that much today. And also today, basically everywhere you go, especially in Los Angeles, New York, it's pay to play. Mm -hmm, if you don't mm -hmm. bring X number of friends into the audience, you don't get paid. Yeah. Well, back then, you got paid. You got paid. Maybe it wasn't a lot of money, and if you if you weren't good or you weren't bringing an audience, you wouldn't get hired back. Okay, mm -hmm. but you got paid. Mm -hmm. Okay, which is fair because today nobody wants to really pay you, and musicians Sadly. always want to perform. So you're. You do it regardless, okay? But I have to say, if I had all the possibilities that that digital and the internet present back when I was a kid, I would have loved it. Mm. I would have loved it because you create something, you can put it out there. Right away. Yeah, right away. And, and, and globally, you put it on the internet and all of a sudden the guy down in New Zealand can hear it. An hour later. And I, I, I would have loved that. So that, 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 that's the positive. The negative is maybe you don't pay as many dues. Maybe you don't have as much of a chance to, to, to hone that performance craft, to find out what works or doesn't work in front of an, an mm -hmm. audience. But, you know, it's good and bad, and you have to go with the flow. What's the point of complaining? I mean, don't stop whining. You know, just go out there and, and, and do it. And it's always been hard because people do say to me, Excuse, stop me if I'm talking too much. But, <laughs> but, uh, but uh, by the way, Bruce and I, uh, when we talk, we can go for hours and hours and hours. <laughs> we can uh, make this a two-part episode yeah. if, if, if the uh, audience will let us. Yeah. <laughs> so, but, uh, you know, it's just you, you, you can't complain. You, you, you just, if you love what you do and you're doing it for the right reasons, you continue to do it regardless. Yeah, because you just said the old saying that if you love what you do, you'll never work a day in your life. So if you're complaining, well, then you probably don't love what you do. So it is, so it does feel like work to you. Yeah, or you're doing it for the wrong reasons. True, true. You know, I mean, we, we don't have any birthright to this idea of what people consider fame or success or the things that were, if I only get there, I'll be happy. Mm -hmm. Well, that many people get there and they're still not happy. Yeah. Or, or they have that mindset, and as a result, you're going to be waiting a long time. Right, exactly. Because that's what you think you're striving for. Right, exactly. What you, and, and what you said is very interesting, because I think that often people have talents in certain areas and are really talented, don't really mind that talent. What they do is they aspire to what they think they want to be instead of whatever instead of uh, instead of developing whatever gift they are given well look there's been people on this show who and this is not a pat on the back for myself but they have said they don't they wonder why they're on this show because they feel that they're not successful and that's where i say well number one you must have been for for what my opinion's worth you must have impressed me enough for me to bring you on the show but i think what i'm getting at is some of these people are are missing what's right in front of their face which is you're looking at this thing out here, but in fact, look at where you are and be yeah. proud of what you've accomplished because yeah. you're doing some good things. Yeah, and I, I just feel, look, you know, my my original idea was I wanted to be a rock and roll star. Go, go ahead and talk about that because you started to, to allude to this before, and I wanted the listeners to know because I hit some of the highlights in, in the intro, and we'll be talking about, about more, but, but you actually started in this business as a musician and a performer yourself. So, a so uh, yeah, I want, I want the listeners to know, to, to use a popular expression, that you've been there, done that when it comes to the late I hours, the bars, the clubs, so paying your dues. dues. I, and you eventually got signed by a, a major record label. I, I did. At 
at about the point where I'd given up. Okay, ah. getting, not not given up making music with 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 bands, but given up the idea that that was in the cards for me. Because for ten years I had been, you know, um, plowing the fields, you know, trying to grow this career of mine, and and it really did, was getting frustrating. So there did come a point where I had to, um, you know, assess why I was doing this. And then I decided that, you know, to live the life of an artist, there are no guarantees. And just because we live, like I work in a field where the possibilities of great uh, financial success exist, doesn't mean necessarily that that great financial success is going to come to you, mm -hmm. okay? Um, you know, if you do, you know, what's the difference if you're a poet, if you're a, if you're a painter? I mean, there's no... There's no guarantees. You do it because you have a need to do it. If you don't do it, you're not fulfilled. Mm -hmm. Okay. So I started as a as as an artist, and I I, I was at a, about ten years before I finally got a record deal. And I thought that was going to be the beginning of my rock and roll stardom. And of course, the album was probably one of the least successful albums in the history <laughs> of Columbia, the Columbia Records. But um, because because it wasn't successful, it really tested me. Really tested me. But when when that record deal came from Columbia, did you think this is it? I've made of it. Of course I did. As a matter of fact, I had a big uh, um, record release going away party because I was off on tour at Billy Joel at Billy Joel's apartment, the apartment he had at the at that time, on Central Park South. And everybody was there. The record company was there. Billy was playing the piano. Wow. And I thought, this is it. This is the beginning of my rock and roll stuff. <laughs> and of course, what do you think? Of course it wasn't, all right? But for that moment, it felt like all those years. But then the record wasn't successful. I come back off tour, and there wasn't another uh, record deal waiting for me at that point because it was so unsuccessful um, and at that point I was very fortunate I have to say that um, Dan Hartman and anybody out there who doesn't know who Dan Hartman was, Dan Hartman was one was a truly great genius and recording artist and producer. He produced uh, Tina Turner. He he as as a, a young man he would play bass with the Edgar Winter Group. Wrote a classic called Free Ride, and then he had a lot of success. Well, somebody sent him my album, hmm. and lo and behold, he liked it, and he gave me a call out of nowhere, and introduced himself. And said, I, I really like your album, the lyrics you're writing, and I'm I, I would I'm thinking of, of that I would like to get involved with the lyricist, although he had written all his own mm -hmm. things. I said, Would would you like to get together? I said, Yeah, well consider I'm considering I just lost my record deal, <laughs> I'm broke and I'm working the graveyard shift as a legal crew. I, I certainly have the time. <laughs> yeah, said, let's let's get together. And so that opportunity opened it opened doors to me, so I was very fortunate. But, you know, you do have to think at those points about why you're doing this, and if it's too painful. And look, there's nothing wrong. If you want to make music, if you want to write a book, if you want to paint a, a painting or, or act or anything, um, 
you should go do it. It doesn't mean, look, I know doctors that are great musicians and have bands, and they never stop making music. And I, I just co-produced a, a jazz blues album and co-written them with a very well-known doctor mm. um, out here who formed this band because that was his dream. And he's great, and the music is great. It's called Little Plug, it's called Sasha's Block, and the album um, is called the, the Club Rendezvous. Um, so you don't have to stop. And the idea of a career, you know, is, is something that if you really want that, you have to work at that. But you and I have seen, and, and we've talked about this before, you and I talk to a lot of independent artists who now have kind of changed their vision where they, where they themselves feel that a record deal is no longer the be-all, end-all anyways. Because you can actually, well, look, if you get a record deal, it could be really good. It could be really bad. It could crush you. And the majority of artists that get signed are not successful after that signing. And what happens, it becomes a painful situation, like it was with me, because you really feel that this is the beginning of mm -hmm. the big next step for you, and it isn't. So then you have to deal with that afterwards. Of course, to those people who have the success, and then the record company has the wherewithal to push them to the ultimate success, that's great. Everybody wants to be a rock and roll star. I mean, I, I deserve to be, but it didn't happen. <laughs> and maybe by the time I'm 70 or 80, I will be. <laughs> but, you know, but on the other hand, there are so many ways today to monetize your music, okay? If you are proactive, if you know how to work social media, if, if, you're, if, you're, if you're ambitious to get your music out there, there are many ways to, to monetize it. And I know almost every indie artist I work with somehow manages to make a living, mm -hmm. some more than others, but they do make money from their music. Listeners, Charlie Midnight, as you can tell, is extremely connected throughout the music world. In just a minute, we will talk about a couple people he has worked with that have actually been in, been on this very show. But first, I want to tell you that I am able to record on location here in California or anywhere I want now, thanks to Tascam. If you're a musician, you know who or you want to get to know who they are. More than 30 years in the business producing the most comprehensive line of audio recorders, mixers, and related equipment in the professional audio industry, Tascam has developed products for every segment of the sound and music industry, from the high-end audio professional in a major post-production studio to the novice or hobbyist at home. And check out the Track Factory. It's a new all-in-one home recording solution that they rolled out earlier this year. Heck, even this mini studio creator, the US-42 that I'm using right now, can be utilized by musicians, not just podcasters. I've even got a, a DR44WL handheld recorder with Wi-Fi that you could probably use for recording song odd ideas. Uh, check out Tascam.com for their full line of products. Charlie, early this year I had the pleasure of getting to see Natalie Gelman perform a few songs on actually the, the Tascam stage at, at their booth at the NAMM show in Anaheim. And then she sat down and did an interview with me for what would be episode 164 of the show. Listeners, you can go back and listen to that. She talks on that interview with me about using fake ID when she was too young to be performing in some places. And she also talks about playing down in the New York subways and some of the great contacts she made down there. But in the meantime, Charlie, tell the listeners about Natalie and your work with her. Well, uh, first of all, Natalie was a uh, did busk in New York 
in the subways when she was a teenager. Hmm. And, um, and that is certainly a good way to, uh, to pay your dues and to hone your ability <laughs> to play while the subway train is, is, is going by. And Natalie is a great, great talent, and I've known her, and uh, I started off mentoring her um, as a songwriter, uh, co-writing with her. Um, I then uh, co-produced an album for her, the Street Lamp Musician album uh, with, um, with Mark Needham. Uh, and co-wrote a lot of those songs, and we just finished. Uh, I just finished co-producing and and co-writing uh, most of the album, a new album with her, which is going to come out shortly, uh, which you can come out with shortly. But but Natalie is a perfect example of somebody that is doing this for the right reasons. Nothing will stop her. She creates her music. She's an amazing songwriter, an even more amazing performer. Okay, which is which is amazing because she's a great uh, songwriter mm. and, and, and singer. But if she's ever in anybody's area, you have to go see her. Because first of all, she's a great singer-songwriter, but really she could stand up there for two hours and regale you with stories. And she's entertaining uh. on, on that level alone. She has paid her dues. She knows how to work with an audience. And her songs are meaningful and personal. And she's become part of my family, you know, my wife, my daughter, we love Natalie, and it's, it's been a gift for me to work with Natalie. She came to the house, uh, I think it was five, my house, five, six years ago, uh, I don't remember exactly the time, a friend recommended that she, that she call me, and she didn't, and she didn't. My wife, who, who was told about her, she's the one that stayed on Natalie. And so oh. finally, Natalie came over to the house, and I was just completely taken by her songwriting. Because when I meet a young songwriter that really has it together, that really speaks to me. Uh, somebody's developed their own style in the writing of the song, and in their singing, and their their approach to 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 performing because there are a lot of singers out there. Yeah, I was going to say, there's lots and lots of people that have fantastic voices, and that's great. I'd take nothing away from that. However, when you can deliver the, the songwriting, Material. now you're starting to set yourself apart. You know, when, when Contact was first made with Natalie about being a guest on, on Now Hear This Entertainment, it was a coincidence that, that we had you as a mutual acquaintance. Right. We didn't know this. But another past guest on my show that I had been introduced to through you uh, actually, back even before this show ever started, was Buck Johnson, who is now touring with Aerosmith. Yes. And he and I talked a few months ago. Listeners, if you want to hear that, it was episode number 169. You and Buck have done a lot together. Well, Buck and I go back easily 15 years or, not, or, or more. And I have to say, if you're talking about great singers, Buck is the top of the food chain. Mm. I mean, as far as pure vocalist goes, and that is why he is now singing with Steven Tyler <laughs> in Aerosmith, okay? Because when Steven, when he auditioned, and he's a great keyboard player, which is his position in the band, right? Mm -hmm. When Steven Tyler heard him sing, he goes, why aren't you a star, man? You know? Well, we know that there's a lot of elements have to converge for somebody to be a star. But Buck and I started writing together many, many years ago. And, you know, I do a lot of things, again, for my 
own fulfillment as, as an artist. When I find an artist I really love, I don't really calculate whether or not, you know, they can be a, a star, we can sell music or anything. My, my first objective is to be able to do good writing with them or producing with them. And so we, we just worked together for years and years. Uh, again, I uh, co-produced and co-wrote an album with, with uh, For Buck, uh, again, with Mark Needham who, by the way, has kill, done The Killers and, and um, you know, and, uh, you know, great bands like that. Um, and so Buck, you know, we did this album and, um, and Buck put it out there and he toured behind it. Uh, we're in the process of possibly writing another album, but, but along the way, uh, he got this gig with Aerosmith. And for me... It was very satisfying because I've been saying to everybody for years, this guy is amazing. Uh. He's amazing. Well, why doesn't he do, get this or that? I go, look, you know, once again, unless God comes down and tells you, <laughs> I don't think anybody can answer that question accurately, okay? And so, so for me, it was so much satisfaction when Steven Tyler said that because not that I needed uh, affirmation, but it does feel good. Well, and I think listeners listen to that episode because because Buck, and, and again, just like Natalie, there's a pattern here with with Charlie Midnight listeners. He works with quality people. That's right. People that yes, I mean obviously the talent has to be there, like you just said, the songwriting or the voice or both. But Buck is a quality person, and in that interview with me, he talked very humbly. It was not even anything remotely close to resembling braggadocio and told how that happened, and it did sound very satisfying. It, it I think to him, it almost kind of took him by surprise, but obviously right. that does your heart a world of good when someone like Steven Tyler says, hey, man, where have you been? Right, exactly. And, uh, you know, yeah, I mean, I well, first of all, I can't really hang with somebody for such a long time if they're not, in my opinion, a quality person. If we can't, like you and I, Bruce, we can hang out and BS all night long, you know what I mean? And that's that's part of, for me, the creative process. That's part of, of, of the joy of connecting with people. So I can't work with an artist for a long amount. I mean, look. If it's if it's a gig and you pay me enough money, I'll do it. You know, sure, because sure, it's a job, sure. and I want to do a good job, and I don't disparage that. And, and you I, have the same bills to pay that I do, right. and that the artists do. And, and I enjoy it. It's not less than than anything else. But if, if I'm not getting paid and I'm not necessarily hired to do something, there has to be the first reason is, of course, I have to like that person. So my judgment is that, as you said, they are a quality person. But two is that I have to be thrilled by their talent. And that's a subjective always, I mm -hmm, get it. Mm -hmm. But I have to be thrilled by the talent. I am not calculating whether, okay, are they beautiful? Are they, um, you know, are they commercial? Are they any of those things? Because honestly, that's not my forte. If you told me, can that person, that person commercial, I go, I don't know, you know, who knows? I mean, look at look at the wide variety of people that become sure. successful. You really can't nail it down. So for me, yeah, those are the... It, I was going to say, if there was a formula, we, we'd all be applying it. I'd like to have the formula. <laughs> if anybody has the absolute formula, let me know. Because, you know, 
but honestly, so that's a, a whole part of, of, of what I do. And I, yes, you're right. There have to be quality people. There has to be a humility in, in, in that they are humbled before the idea that they think they are an artist or creative people. Because to say you're an artist is, you know, you have to work at it. You can't just say you're an artist. So they, they, they have a lot of humility, although you do have to have the artistic ego that you have something worthwhile mm -hmm. sure. That to, sure. to, to give to an audience. Okay, now it's time for Bruce's bonus. This is a segment here on Now Hear This Entertainment where I take off my hat as podcast host and put on my hat as president of Now Hear This Incorporated, giving a helpful tip for the listeners that are musicians, singers, songwriters, entertainers who are out there trying hard to make a go of it. Today's bonus is, did you know that when you use Bitly as your link shortener that you can customize it? This is particularly helpful on a social media platform such as Instagram, which doesn't make links in your photo caption clickable. If you make it something relevant and memorable, people will be more likely to jump over to their browser and punch in that customized link that you've created, which is what you're really striving for after all. And then of course, Bitly will show you the number of clicks on any link you shortened through them, and it's all for free. And that is today's Bruce's Bonus. How about that? Helpful? There are a whole bunch of tips just like that over all the prior episodes of this show. To make it easy for the listeners out there who are musicians, singers, songwriters, entertainers to get the tips in one concise format, there is a Bruce's Bonus Book Volume 1, Volume 2, and Volume 3 for purchase in ebook format, giving you all the tips from episodes 1 to 40, 41 to 80, and 81 to 120, respectively. Just go to www.brucesbonusbook.com for online ordering and instant delivery. You're in the studio these days working with a band from Italy. Tell the listeners about that. Are you are you producing? Are you yeah. writing with them? Well, How did you and they get connected? It's an artist. Uh, it's an artist. Uh, his name is Anibale, and he's uh, 25 years old. Um, and he was schooled in um, in the opera. And he has, for me, one of the most beautiful voices I've ever heard. Mm. I mean, quite quite a beautiful voice. And I was introduced to him by uh, a, a mutual friend who's an attorney who I've been working with. And uh, they, they asked me to, to uh, if, if I'd be interested in doing something with him. And I said, well, let me, let me hear something. So sure. I, of course I went on YouTube and I checked it out uh, where you can check out everything. And I was just blown away by his voice. And mm. I, they're not, in his age group, I don't know who else is out there doing this, right? So, um, yes, yeah, so now I am uh, uh, producing it, uh, uh, producing and writing for him okay. with um, a great engineer, uh, producer, writer that I've been working with, Chad Fairchild, who just finished working with Chad Hugo, Pharrell, and Justin Timberlake. Mm. And he's, um, so we're partnering on this as, uh, you know, writers, producers, um, and yeah, working with Anibale, and we just right now we're in the studio where we just yeah. finished recording him yeah. today, and it was it's beautiful when you're in the studio with a real singer, you know, somebody who was born to do it, you know. And I've worked with, as you know, some great people like James Brown and Joe Cocker, um, uh, well, Joni Mitchell we mentioned before. Yeah. And those those people were born 
to do that. And so being in the studio with anybody like that is um, joyful because you're looking, like when I worked with, with Joe Cocker, maybe rest in peace, you're in the studio and you're listening to him. Yes, I produced him, but I'm listening as a fan. I'll bet. I'll bet. I'm like, oh, man, this is like a concert, <laughs> you know? So, yeah. Listeners, as Charlie just mentioned, we actually are right now sitting in the studio where the Italian artist that he referred to is recording. I'll have someone take a picture of Charlie and I sitting in here, and I'll post it on the uh, on the podcast's Instagram account so you can get a flavor for, for where Charlie and I sat when we recorded this uh, here in Los Angeles. As I said, he is producer, lecturer, author, mentor, songwriter, Charlie Midnight. Visit his official website at charliemidnight.com. His full bio alone is worth going to that website for. And you'll find contact information on his website, too, if you want to book Charlie as a speaker or, or learn more about his various services. Remember, as always, that if you're going to purchase anything at all from Amazon to go to my website, nhte.net, click on the tall Amazon banner to get over there. It doesn't cost you anything extra. They will kick back a very small percentage of the sale to this podcast. And yes, it will open the app on your phone if you're going that way. Patreon.com is how you can make a direct contribution to this podcast. Patreon.com slash NHTE or just go to NHTE.net and click on the Patreon button there. It's right next to the button for the Facebook group where you can go and talk with other listeners of this show. There's a lot of musicians who talk to one another in there. If you want to send me an email just to say hello or to make a suggestion, anything you want to give me as feedback, the email address is podcast at nhte.net. And remember that nhte.net, there's also a newsletter sign up there. And you don't have to sit in front of your computer to listen to the show. If you want to take it with you on the go, click on any of the icons there to go get it instead from iTunes, Google Play Music, Stitcher Radio, SoundCloud, or TuneIn Radio. Please subscribe and tell a friend. And, of course, our social media, there's icons at nhte.net for them, Facebook, Twitter, YouTube, and Instagram. Charlie, we can talk about crap. You're very, you're very good at this, Bruce. <laughs> Thank you. <laughs> uh, listeners, I'm referring to Charlie has an acronym, C-R-A-P-P. Tell the listeners what that is. Well, I have just finished uh, writing a book, and, uh, uh, and it's anecdotal about my experiences. Uh, my, uh, my experiences and... Um, uh, in you know, and and how I was able to survive uh, in the music business uh, long enough to actually be able to make a living doing this. Um, so, the book is called uh, "Deserves Got Nothing to Do with It." Uh, talking crap with Charlie Midnight, uh, and, and crap is an acronym for the five elements that won't guarantee you. Uh, guarantee you success but will help you survive your emotional journey to success you know I'm tempted the promoter in me is tempted to say don't tell them what C-R-A-P-P stands for make them go to your website because I'm you know, always you, you know what um, when the, that would be good that would be good if the book was out right now but I'm first getting it published well but the the acronym is explained on your website, so I'm saying if they want oh, to read is. for yeah, themselves, I mean, they, they they can. But I'm really, you know, very. You're an open book. Ha ha ha. Uh, <laughs> very quick. Very quick. Um, 
I, I don't I don't mind. I mean, it's the well, the, the five elements are collaboration, relationships, ambition, passion, and persistence. Um, but to find out how much they can help you, you will have to eventually buy my book. There you, you know? go. Or you can come to one of my lectures. You there know, you when go. I, when I when I come to your town. But the, the, what's interesting is the title of it, and I and I give my own story. I tell you know about you know when I was younger and you know all the things I had to go through in order to learn the lessons that I learned and uh, it includes some of the people that I've worked with some of the people we we mentioned but the title comes from uh, one of my favorite movies uh, called Unforgiven with Clint Eastwood mm -hmm, mm -hmm. and, and um, um, Morgan Freeman um, and it comes from the one of the almost the final scene in the film where uh, where Clint, who's this grizzled gunfighter, uh, comes back to avenge his friend who has been um, uh, who has been killed by the sheriff, Little Bill. And Little Bill is played by Gene Hackman, and uh, of course, you know uh, it's it's raining out and it's 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 thundering, and and Clint walks into the to the saloon. And uh, where everybody, and he basically, to make a long story short, he shoots little Bill, Gene Hackman. And Gene Hackman is lying on the floor, okay? And he looks up at Clint, because Clint has a, his uh, rifle, a shotgun pointed at him. He's about to blow his head off, okay? For killing his friend, Morgan Freeman, right? And, um, and little Bill looks up at him and goes, um, I don't deserve this. I was building a house, and Clint looks down at him and goes, "Deserves got nothing to do with it," <laughs> and he blows his head off. <laughs> I can watch that moment, but that's basically my philosophy. You know, what does anybody deserve? That's and right. So, deserve has nothing to do with it. You got to go out there and and get it, and hopefully get somewhere where you can be satisfied with with where you are in life. Okay. This is going to be the most difficult question that I'm going to ask you in the interview because you have so, so, so much from your long and storied career. Storytell a little bit for us. Uh, all those big names, all those years, all those songs, award nominations. Is, there, can, is it possible for someone like you to pick one story or an artist or two that, that the listeners would enjoy hearing about? Well, Something that jumps out at you for one reason or well, another. There's a lot of things that jump out at me. I think Pick one. That, well, well, I, I think that you know the song "Living in America." Well, that, we'll get to that because we're going to play that at oh, the end of the so show. So, so, okay, so, so pick something else. Save for later, right? Yeah, yeah, yeah. We'll we'll keep them in suspense. Uh, well, I already told the story about Joni Mitchell, how that transpired, right? And um, of course, working with Joe Cocker was I produced two albums with Joe Cocker. One. Both were very successful. One unchained my heart, and the other, and the other, one night of sin. And when I was an artist, a very, uh, the very unsuccessful recording artist that I was. And I don't think we told the listeners that was in Brooklyn. Uh, you, you were when when you got your record deal. You were in because because well, no, I was already living in Manhattan. I I paid most of my dues in Brooklyn, playing in Dodge yeah. six sets a night, Ugh. forty on, twenty off. Oof. Okay. You know, if you don't learn how to survive, if you can survive in that atmosphere, you can survive anywhere. <laughs> but then what happened was I went to Manhattan. I got tired of that because I was all cover songs. And um, 
you know, I got tired of that, and I had this idea, this creative juice I wanted to, to let out. So I went to Manhattan, I started my own bands, slogged it out there for a while, and I ultimately, you know, got signed for, out of a, uh, after playing Max's Kansas But let's City. go back to Joe Cocker. Okay. So where was I at with Joe Cocker? <laughs> that okay, so I, when my album came out, the, the Charlie Midnight Innocent Bystander, which you won't find anywhere, okay, <laughs> the best thing about that album was how I looked on the album cover. <laughs> I really liked that. Okay? So, so, so anyway, when I went on tour... The best part of the tour was we actually opened a few dates with Joe Cocker. Ah. Okay. And a little foreshadowing. Yeah, I mean it was it was amazing, and because it was a terrible tour, because the record wasn't successful. When you don't have a successful record, the the, the club owners really not that interested in you because the record company stopped buying ads, radio ads, and that. Okay. So you show up and they don't even want you, and you go, "Let us mm. play, man. We just traveled a thousand miles, whatever it is." Okay, so but I opened for Joe, and that was really really great because he was great his crew was great we actually got a sound check which anybody who's wow. open for 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 for, for uh, headlining bands knows that's not always the case that was a really great experience so years later of course um, where I had just uh, started with Dan Hartman and we were just beginning to have success um, Joe is managed by a, a great guy named Michael Lang now, Michael Lang, if anybody has ever seen the movie Woodstock, okay, he's the cool guy that rides around on the motorcycle <laughs> with the curly hair and the leather vest saying cool things. Right? <laughs> That's Michael. So Michael met myself and Dan Hartman, and out of nowhere, after Dan started pitching me to produce Joe Cocker, which I'm sure was not even in Michael's mindset, Michael, being cool, said, sure, why not, you know? Start with six songs and we'll see what happens, you know. Ah. And of course, that went well. You know, the six songs, the rehearsals, and I wound up producing the whole Unchained My Heart album. But really interestingly, was when I met Joe, um, and I said, Hey, Joe, it's great to see you again. Isn't this a coincidence? It was a complete blank look on his oh, face. Oh, sure. He didn't remember <laughs> me at all, for whatever reasons it was, and you can imagine, right? Um, you know, but he was such a gentleman. And he goes, oh, yeah, yeah, goes. And, of course, I realized at that point he didn't remember me at all. And so I said, you remember, I, used, I opened for you, I think it was Oklahoma or Odessa or one of those, Odessa, Texas, one of those. He goes, yeah, 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 that's right, that's right. I remember. It's good to see you again. Wow. So uh, wow. a, a real gentleman, you know. A, a, so, so then, of course, it was amazing that for me um, that – that I was in the studio with Joe Cocker after all. Yeah, those to years. see it, to see it you come know, full circle. That's it was, that, it was, that's uh, you know, you, you just never know. Well, we're we're in the home stretch here. Just a couple final questions, and and one thing that we already talked about is that if if you and I knew the secret, if we knew the formula, you and I would be doing this interview in Bora Bora. <laughs> but uh, but what what is something that you can tell those listeners who right now are hearing us talk, and and they are performers? What what can what is something you can tell them that that they really need to be doing? to best position themselves for, I don't want to say success in this business, but you know what I'm getting at, or, or, or maybe or maybe back into and, and share what mistake or mistakes you see happening over and over. No, I, I think 
if you're going to make a business out of out of your music, if you want that, you have to look at every avenue. And you also have to think of yourself as a brand. I mean, you don't have to. You can just make music for the pleasure of making music, and there's nothing wrong with that. Okay? But you really do have to think of yourself as a brand. It's not just about the music. It's about what are you personifying when you go out there? What What is your um, mythology? Okay, People want music, but they also want to believe in something in that artist. And you have to really think about that. And then you have to really think about every single way there is to monetize your music. You know, all the different platforms that they're out there. If you're going to go out and perform, make sure you have merchandise. You know, work your job and buy merchandise. Do something, because you will make money. Because if people like you, they want to go and buy that merchandise. So I think that if you want to make money out of your music, you've got to think of yourself as a business. Okay? You don't have to do that, but you really have to. And that means looking at every platform out there. Uh, but I'll tell you once, you'll make more money if you, I mean, and the people that um, make music will understand this. Own your master. Mm. Okay? Own your master. So you're not going to have to ask anybody permission if you want to put your master on any platform. Or if a film or a television show wants to license your song, okay? Because in, in every situation, you have to get a license from the songwriters, the publisher, and you have to get a license for the master. And so if you own your master and you don't have 12 writers on your song, which is, <laughs> as you can see, a lot of albums, very popular albums, where you look, oh, there's eight writers on that song. How did they get to be eight writers? Because songwriting, and that's a whole other subject, is a, a completely different animal today, okay? Where everybody that comes in and puts a part in wants a piece of the song, which is, luckily for me, not the, not the atmosphere I grew up in, mm -hmm. in the music. So if you own your master and you don't have a lot of writers on the song and you get it on every platform and people are streaming you and you're, and, and you're getting your song placed in maybe some television, a small, small movie or a big movie, you'll make money. There'll yeah. be a way to yeah. make money out of that. But think of yourself as a business and think of every avenue you can to make a buck out of that. Good, good. One bonus question before we wrap up. The reality shows, American Idol, The Voice, America's Got Talent, are those good for the aspiring entertainers, well, and, and why or why not? Okay, those are good television shows. They really don't produce, they, they do give you visibility, and if you figure out how to use that afterwards, and don't expect that to be your launch pad to some kind of superstar, but you can figure out how to, how to use it. You can figure out how, for instance, if you if you get if you if you uh, get fairly far up on the uh, on, on the ladder on that, you know, if you're doing gigs, you can use that to advertise those gigs. But even if you win, I mean, take a look at the ten. How many years have these shows been on? How many people really become stars? They are good television shows. Mm. People tune in. And, and also the thing to remember is they're singing songs that are already popular. So of course you have a good voice on a great song and everybody's <laughs> going to like it. Karaoke. If I go to a karaoke and there's a Beatles song on and somebody does a decent job, I love it. I'm enjoying it. Sure. Okay? So you're really not necessarily establishing 
um, your, yourself or your point of view as, as an artist. It doesn't mean that you can't use it. It doesn't mean that it's not possible. But, um, you know, I, sometimes it's a negative because if you don't win something, people think, you know, why didn't you win? Well, and I, and I like the way you, you phrase that. It's a good television show. And, and listeners, to, to Charlie's point, go back and listen to episode 83. There have been a lot of guests on my show who have been on American Idol, The Voice, America's Got Talent. Episode 83 of Now Hear This Entertainment was Mark Andrew. He was on both American Idol and The Voice. And, and on that episode with me, he talked about how here he was on both, and he's still up north in the Midwest just kind of doing the same old thing. So it's not a platform that all of a sudden, okay, I can sit back and put my feet up and wait for the phone to ring. It's not going to happen. It's not a platform at all. As a matter of fact, when, I, when an artist comes to me, I, I recommend they don't do it. I recommend that they invest their time. Instead of being judged by people who have their own agendas, who are not necessarily you know, really objective about it, who really don't have your interests in mind, they're trying to choose who's best for the show. Okay? Invest your time, your energy, your passion into your art, into getting yourself out there, to keep your credibility, because a lot of what the audience wants to know is, are you credible? You know, Taylor Swift, like her, not like her, I love Taylor, okay? You know, she writes about things that are meaningful to her, whatever they are, okay? And that's different for everybody, and the audience relates to that. She's credible, okay? So those shows, depending on what your objective, uh, if, if you're going to go on and enjoy yourself and not get crushed if you don't win, fine. I wouldn't say not to do it. Uh, necessarily, if you really, you know, really have this fire inside you that wants to do the show, um, but it doesn't necessarily end in, and most of the time, most of the time does not end in you being a successful recording artist. That's right, that's right. Fittingly, we're going to close today with the song Living in America by James Brown. So before we let you go, Charlie, talk to the listeners about this song and, and of course, your involvement with it. Well, um, I was fortunate enough to co-write with Dan Hartman again a song called Living in America for James Brown, uh, which subsequently led, led us to write the, a whole album for James Brown, which is, I don't think, it's very, I'm not sure it's ever been done where somebody writes a whole album for James Brown. Mm. He was very gracious about that. And it was in a very successful movie called Rocky IV yep. with Sylvester Stallone. And Stallone was great to, to work with, by the way. Very real gentleman. And we went to visit him on the set uh, of, of Rocky, and he came out in his robe, and we went into his um, in, in his trailer, and we stopped talking about the song, uh, you know, because we were hired to do it. It wasn't like pitching, us pitching the idea. Mm -hmm. So um, in talking to Stallone, you know, my being, you know, sort of a, an, an East Village um you know, uh, anti-establishment type guy says, well, I'm not going to write like a jingoistic rah-rah song. I mean, I love America, but I have to write something about the landscape. And Stallone goes, yeah, I know, listen, you guys are the songwriters. You know, you write what you think you should write, and I'm good with that. <laughs> Very, really great, because I've written for over 40 films, and you don't always get that from somebody who is the force behind the film. They want something specific. So we went, I, we went, Dan Hartman and I we were in Los Angeles at the time, and I was sitting around a, a pool, and I came up with the idea of living in America. 
um, and it's really about the landscape of of um, of, of America, not so much about the, the the different places you go in America. Mm-hmm. Uh, so, um, very interestingly, when we presented it to Mr. Brown, he looked at me and he goes, "Charlie, you wrote my life." Wow. He said that to me. Wow. And he goes, "Yeah, Fatback. I know, you know, Fatback, which is like a southern, you know." Uh, delicacy. Okay. <laughs> so he goes, yeah, I know. How do you know about all that stuff? And I said, well, honestly, Mr. Brown, Fatback rhymed with smokestack. <laughs> 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 and he laughed. It, it, it was really a pleasure to work with him. But one interesting thing, I remember when we first were recording Living in America, uh, he came in. We had not met him before. Dan Hartman had sent him uh, the demo that Dan sang. He came in with his entourage, and um, of course I was very nervous. Uh, and uh, you know, he comes in, he's James Brown, and he's there with his wife, and he's there with other people, and you know, he's very, very gracious. Oh, these boys, I love these boys. They wrote me a great song. So anyway, I had to go into the studio with him because mm. I had to write out the lyrics ah. uh, because he hadn't really learned them. So I wrote the lyrics out. Uh, and stayed in the studio the whole time he was singing the wow. song, wow. Know, going over the lyrics with him. And at that point, I thought to myself, and this really, it's the only time this has happened like this, maybe a little bit with Joe Cocker, but I thought, man, if only the guys in the neighborhood could see <laughs> this would be, That's cool. I'd be the coolest That's cool. guy around. And then at the end, he spilled coffee on, on the lyric oh, of, no. of, of the, well, it worked out good, on the lyric to the chorus. And I said, okay, coffee stains, lyrics, that's art. So Authenticated he, it. So he signed it for me, and he wrote, uh, to, to Charlie Midnight, thank you for the love. You got the word, James Brown. And Beautiful. I got that hanging up Beautiful. in my house. And Beautiful. I... The satisfaction that gives me I, is, is, is something I can't even uh, uh, convey strongly enough. Yeah, listeners, this is one of those unfortunate times when if this were a video podcast, you'd see the sincerity on Charlie's face right now. But a, but a great way to end. And, and Charlie, this was long overdue. Thank you so much. I'm glad that we finally got to and do this. Bruce, we, every time we get to hang out, it's great. So <laughs> Absolutely. Thank you, my friend. Thank you. Thank you very much. And everybody should listen to whether i'm on it or not this guy has it going on with this podcast (laughs) thank you listeners that will do it for this week's episode of now hear this entertainment live on location here in los angeles endless thanks to my friend charlie midnight producer lecturer author mentor and songwriter again visit his website at charliemidnight.com if you think there's a fit and want to inquire there is contact information on his website Don't forget to visit nhte.net and sign up for the email newsletter there by simply putting in your email address. And of course, please do subscribe to this podcast and tell your friends about it. Give us a nice review on iTunes or Stitcher Radio too, hopefully accompanied by a five-star rating. That really does help the show a lot. If you are listening on SoundCloud, remember that you can like and repost episodes there, and you can also follow on SoundCloud. Engage with the show, too. Go to nhte.net and click on the icon to go join the Facebook group. You can also write in via the email address podcast at nhte.net. 
Get with us on the various social media platforms that you will find links to at nhte.net, those being Instagram, Twitter, Facebook, and YouTube. Please also consider supporting the show with a donation through Patreon. There's a button at nhte.net for that. And check out the t-shirts and hats at nhte.net as well. Thanks ever so much for listening. We'll send you out today with the song that Charlie just talked about. This is Living in America by James Brown. (laughs) 